Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. Buy and sell tickets, two taps on your phone, everything fully guaranteed. Football fans, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NFL tickets. Use promo code BSNFL. Hopefully, we'll get a little NBA code soon. NBA season starting next week. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Let's Play 2. That's a documentary film that chronicles Pearl Jam's legendary performances at Wrigley during the historic 2016 Cubs season. The film captures Pearl Jam's incredible 25-year career, showcases a special relationship between the Cubs and lifelong fan Eddie Vedder. The soundtrack available now. It's in theaters now, available on DVD and Blu-ray on November 17th. Go to Let's Play 2, T-W-O film.com or ProJam.com for more details. Pearl Jam's coming up in one second. This is a conversation we taped with uh, a producer named Jason Blum of Blumhouse Productions. Me, Sean Fennessy, and Jason, we talked on Friday for almost an hour and a half about horror movies and the business and everything. If you're a movie junkie, you're going to love this. It's really good. <laughs> it's uh, This guy has made 80% of the movies that I think my son has seen in the last five years. I'm a terrible father, as you're about to find out. But first, Pearl Jam. <laughs> Taping this on a Friday morning, Jason Blum is here. Sometimes called Jason Bloom, but erroneously. Often, often erroneously. called Jason Bloom, but it's not Bloom. And, and they often called, they often say Bloom House. It is Blum House. Blum House. For, uh, like Bum House, for but all with those an L. Listen. Well, that, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> I was going to go for Plum, but okay, Bum House. Yes, I suppose the that works The Ringer's editor-in-chief, Sean Fantasy, also here. Hi, guys. We're going to talk movies. Right. You're like my, uh, my producer's soulmate. We're, I think we're, are you 1969? 69, February 20. Yeah, we're like this. We're almost exactly the same age. What is it? What are you? 1969. What, 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 what month? September. September, very close. Yes, yes, you, yes. You have uh, taken the, I guess, call it the horror genre? The horror, it's different these days. Kind of like- kinda Thriller like horror. Just scary movie, kind of like thriller horror. Yeah, genre. Yeah, I like turn this- Dark genre is one of my favorite ways to describe it. Dark genre. You've turned it into a business that is- Extremely successful and has revolutionized the uh, the Hollywood model. I know Sean is impressed. We've we wrote about it when November. Chris yeah. Ryan wrote Chris about Ryan it. Wrote yeah, about it. yeah more terrific, than impressed. Yeah, terrific. Yeah. Uh, a ter- that was a terrific piece. Too. How'd you do it? Yeah. Explain it to us, man. Well, how did we do it? So um, let's see. I started. Uh, I always wanted to be in movies, and um, I worked for the first kind of fifteen years of my career in independent movies. And uh, we're 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 doing kicking and screaming later. I didn't want to leave the podcast with it, but okay. So we'll do okay. Okay, we'll just, get we'll get into that. Don't but I'm think gonna that's give you not the, coming. Okay, 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 fine, fine, fine. Don't think that's not uh, gonna happen for okay, about 15 right, minutes. But I, I want to put that near the end. I can't wait, and I just so I'm people trying, can click okay, off good, at that okay, point. Good. Yeah. So anyway, I spent 15 years doing independent movies. I worked uh, at a little company called Arrow. I worked for Miramax. I produced a bunch of independent movies on my own. I, I produced about 10 independent movies on my own after I quit being an executive when I was 30. I moved out to LA in 2000 and, and was a little producer. And uh, uh, no, they were movies were really bad and no one saw them, which those two things generally go together. So all, how are you although like not always. Um, that's a great question. So uh, I had one year, I had my office in my house. I lived in the El Royale. Yeah. I had my office. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I had my, I had a little two bedroom, 
two-bedroom apartment there. And I had my office in the second bedroom. And um, there was one year, I was kind of on a corporate ladder. I was making like 50 and then 80. And then I was making $120,000 a year, which when you're 29 in 1998, that was good money. And it's good money now. And um, and then I quit that job and uh, started working on my own. And the, and the, the lowest I made when I was 31 or 32 was $37,000 a year, $37,000 for the year, which was um, which was shocking because it was so much less than I had made before. And I had to cover my own stuff. But I had my assistant who would come over to my – for a while, I didn't have an assistant. Then I paid someone, this guy named Oliver Kramer. I paid him uh, $100 a day. And he'd come over to my apartment. And we used to make jokes. We should call the company Underwear Productions because I'd be sitting – I'd get up out of – I'd roll out of bed. I'd sit at my desk. It's a gross image. And I'd be – me and Oliver. Oliver was dressed. <laughs> I was in my underpants working like in a tiny, tiny room with the two desks together. I used to drive my own scripts around. And uh, so anyway, I made a bunch of independent movies. Were and they then- your scripts or just scripts that – other people had that you liked that you felt like you could turn into something? Or I, both? I, um, I, I was giving a class uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to a bunch of kids at, at USC about this. They were scripts. They were, they were just scripts. I was very mercenary. They were scripts that I thought I could get made. Right. So it wasn't like scripts that I necessarily like loved. I, I was talking about, I re- just read this book called um, Ego is the Enemy. Have you read, have you read this book? No. Have you heard about no. this book? It's it's a, it's a it's a it's an interesting book, and one of the big theses of the of the author of the book is that is that pa- we talk about passion too much, and that passion is not necessarily the. You always say how do you how are people successful by being passionate, and that passion is not necessarily the answer to success. And there's part of that that I agree with. It wasn't scripts that I was passionate about. It was scripts that I was like, okay, I got this actress in it or this person in it or scripts that I thought I could get made. So what's the best example of that? Like from that Okay, era. well, we made 10 of them. So nine of them you probably never heard of. And the only good one, I could say it that way, was um, we made a movie called Hysterical Blindness. Remember that? Uma Thurman yes. won, the, won the Golden Globe. But that was the only one that, we, that, we, that was any good. But the example is that Hysterical Blindness was a play. And yeah. I was very good friends with Ethan and Uma. And um, she saw this play, and it was about a, girl, a not attractive girl who who couldn't get a date. And of course, the most attractive woman in the world wanted to play that part. <laughs> and of course, her representatives and all the business people in her life said, "You're crazy." So I was lucky enough as the as the kind of young buck friend to get the opportunity. She said, "You know, no, I think she didn't say it quite like this, but basically, it's like no one's really listening to me. Could you help me get this made?" And she gave me this play, which I didn't really have any connection to, but I had Uma Thurman and, and I just, not that I didn't lie, I liked it, but I, what it did was I could have certainly lived without making it. It was really her passion project. And I took that package and every, the typical, everyone said no, except HBO and we got it made. But that was, that was, I, in that one, that was a successful result. There were, we who made side, a movie called Who side are you taking the divorce? Boom or Ethan? Uh, uh, pay. I, well, Anytime friends get divorced, you got to. Of course, pay. of course. Now you don't have to tell us. No, I'll tell you absolutely. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story. I I was very proud of the fact that I lasted the longest of anyone. I think this is true. Um, straddling both while they were while they got divorced, but ultimately. Can't work. Got to pick it, it. Ultimately, or, or it, I, it got picked, 
and uh, and yeah. I wound up with my friend in the beginning was Ethan, and 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 I'm still close with Ethan. And that's the right and, move. And, you got to go. I, st- with I stuck was with first. the one of them was first. Yeah, you got to yeah. go first. Yeah. But wait, I, I'm curious okay. why you decided to leave your hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year job as an executive to take a shot to do this by yourself oh, and make question. no money. That's a great question. Um, my dad had his own business, and uh, I always, when I think about. Um, you know, I've made a million mistakes, but one of the bigger mistakes that I made was that decision. And I left too early. I was working for Miramax. It was the height. Miramax was owned by Disney. It was, I was, I was, I was the king of the world in New York. I was working in New York, king of independent cinema because I was at this, the best company at doing it at that time. But I really always had a voice in me that I wanted to be my own boss desperately. Desperately, Sounds I just like me. I was going to say, yeah, someone yeah, can relate. Yeah, yeah, desperately, very similar, very, very similar, and very similar. Yes. So you you're doing this. So though, that's why <laughs> you're doing this right after this unbelievable run of movies, ninety six to two thousand, that we always talk about. Just like yeah. It's just a phenomenal five year stretch. Amazing. Like ninety nine is that was what was the best? What did we say the best one? What year was? We said I had like ninety nine. The ninety nine. Yeah, that's the the Matrix. And it's the, just like the glory days yeah. of just. It, it was and and that was exactly my uh, employment contract. I was from ninety five to two thousand. I was at Miramax and I was in the center. The Matrix was different because it was studio, obviously, mm-hmm. but I was in the center of the independent film business as a child. I was in my late 20s. I was in a job way, way over my head. Back when people actually went to go see him instead of just waiting for them to come on to be on or- To be on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was an amazing, Like I saw amazing Kicking and Screaming run. in the theater. That's, that would that never, would never happen, happen today. Now, ever. Never happen It would be today. on Netflix and be like, what is this? Yeah, oh, this yeah, looks never cute. Ha- never hey, Parker Posey. Hey, yeah. And then you're clicking on it. <laughs> never happened today i really miss that era i just feel like movies mattered more as as an experience that was like social for everybody it'll it'll come back it'll come back i think they don't it's it's less true now because of windowing but i think i think windowing has made the 90 to 120 minute format less relevant just like you're saying but i think when movies can play at the same time at home and in the theater, I think I think movies will be more that format will be more relevant again. Now it's really moved to series. Series are what people do. But okay, that's a good example about. of the old school model working. It is. We we we've had a few uh a few uh throwbacks to nineties nineties successes, but yeah, how did you uh, but they're few and far between. How did you figure that out? How to get people in the theater up up to this very day? Um well, how our you mean how our kind of business model works is basically yeah. we do we do low budget movies, and the reason that we do low budget movies is is everyone says they're profitable, and they often are profitable, but that's not the reason we do. We do low budget movies so we can do new, different things. So when we make it, usually when it, not usually every studio when they make a decision to greenlight a movie, they they have to use a system of comps. And by the way, if I ran a studio, I would do the exact same thing. You're going to spend a hundred million dollars on a movie. It better you better have three movies that are like it in the last five years that made a hundred million dollars. Otherwise, you shouldn't spend the money. But the great thing about doing low budget movies is you can greenlight movies in the exact opposite process. We have our people. We you know what people say. What do you say yes to? We got to like it. That's easy. Everyone says that. I love the script. What does that mean? It's taste. But second. And much more importantly, and much more unique than that, is it's got to re- it's got to remind us of nothing. When we all read at Get Out, uh, the the Monday of the thing, everyone liked. We didn't think it was the greatest script ever. Everyone liked it, but everyone across said, "I've never 
read anything like this. And, and the reason I'm so psychotic about low budget is because we then get to say yes to get out. If get out, if the script of get out came to me and I was running a studio and it was a $20 million movie, never would have made it. That's true of almost every single film we've ever produced. I never would have made, uh, I never would have made The Purge. I never would have made um, The Visit. I never would have made uh, every original movie that we do just doesn't make sense on paper. And so, so the kind of long answer to your question is I think one of the reasons we've had um, uh, a bigger, a, a, a lot of success with our movies is that the audience, and they, they wouldn't articulate this, but the movies do feel different and new. We should point out that you've made basically every successful horror movie over the last well, six years. I appreciate that. I wouldn't say it's every one. Genre. We missed. We missed a few. We missed a few, but I've, we've made a lot. It's we've like you're batting like eighty percent. Don't think my nine and a half year old son hasn't watched all of them. <laughs> I'm such a horrible parent. Really, I'm like the worst parent on the planet. But my kids love horror movies, and they've loved them from the get go. My favorite movie, probably ever, second favorite movie other than Forty Eight Hours, is Halloween, wow. which. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen, but like when my son was four, we took him to the Halloween house on, on Orange Grove off of Sunset, and he put the mask on and he walked across the street. Like, yeah, my I was there. I was psycho. I was there two weeks ago. Did you see the photo shoot we just did from there? I was there two weeks ago. Thanks for the invite. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. There was no one invited. It was we did a photo shoot with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, and they, we, that was the new. Art I mean, she for did the get decapitated movie. in in uh, Halloween re- the Resurrection. Yes. So we're gonna pretend that didn't happen. We're we're listen. We're we have a, we we're not, hopefully you won't be disappointed on the new Halloween movie. Halloween H two O was good. Very. That was twenty years ago. Very. very. Halloween H two O took the tactic of three through seven never happened. Didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. just starting fresh from. I'll put it that way. I thought I think that was a good tactic. I think you just pretend one, two, H two O, and this one. This is like the the and spiritual fourth one. Yeah, exactly. I think well, that's the move. Does yeah, that stuff well. matter to you? You know, you're, you've now created a couple of franchises. Does like the logic of these movies matter, or does it just make the best movie you can make? No, no, no. It it matters incredibly. It doesn't mean we always abide by it, but we talk about it endlessly. The the one of the things I love is about half the movies we make are sequels, and half the movies we make are originals. And you have to use totally. It's almost like the difference between television and movies. You have to use a totally different side of your brain with the sequels. Everything that I said about our business only applies to originals. It doesn't apply to sequels. So sequels are more expensive. They're not original. We were guaranteed a wide release. The big big component to our movies to our to our model is that on the movie side we never guarantee a wide release until the movie's finished and i don't ever want a wide release i don't want to decide how the movies get released until the movie's finished if you decide going in that you're going to go on 3000 screens and 30 million dollars it the, all the great pressure that's alleviated by having a low budget goes out the window you want the directors to feel, the artists that are making these movies, to feel free and loose to take chances and not worry about what the TV spot is going to be, what the, what the trailer is going to be. Just be free and make a great movie. And then we figure out how the movie is going to be released. Sequels is the opposite. Um, Have you been to the original Myers house in Pasadena? That's not a real estate place. Uh, no, I know See, about I it. Feel, I, ha- now, I don't feel that? like you're how qualified enough. For yeah, this. I, might not, I may not. <laughs> be. I think I should have made this movie. Oh, I absolutely. Now, listen. Do you know I, where I, they got the original Myers mask? Tell, tell me where. It was a Captain Kirk mask in like a 
convenience store or something that they used and then they lost and they could never that's why the original Halloween mask was always better than all the next masks. I love it. Because it was like it. this Dr. Captain Kirk mask. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. So that's kind we of thing I bring we should table. switch we should switch places. Uh, obviously you can bring me in for like one meeting. Yeah. Okay. Just, <laughs> right, just, <laughs> just to make sure there's some continuity. I mean Michael Myers did burn in a fire at the end of Halloween too. Right. And he did, I think, get decapitated at the end of age twelve. Yes, but we can yes. work. You can work on this. Now, what stuff about um, what about uh, what about David Gordon Green? Have you had him on? Do you know him? No, he directed he, Stronger. Yeah, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal no, movie. Stronger, had, uh, but he's done George Washington. He's done great. You would love him. He's a, yeah. he's amazing. Yes, and you would you would. Is he the one who's doing Halloween? Yes, he's directing it. Him and Danny McBride wrote it. How how involved is John Carpenter? He's involved. It's it's a kind of a good story. You want to hear the story? Yes, John please. Carpenter? I would love so, to hear the story. So they came to me. Because uh, he's the gatekeeper for all this. He wrote he's not the gatekeeper. Who's the gatekeeper? Uh, two companies. Uh, Miramax, who bought the rights, the distribution rights. Right, when they made H2O. And, and, and no, they've made a lot of Halloweens. Mm. Miramax, Dimension. and But the real gatekeeper is a guy named Malik Akkad, who's got, whose company oh, is his called Tragus. Yeah. And his dad- and and what we always say, which is true, is we're all guests in Malik's house. Uh, there's a, a guy named Bill Block who runs Miramax, and he once said that, and that's that's a the perfect description of how the Halloween process works. And really, Malik um, uh, and, and and his family obviously are the are really the 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 gatekeeper. They are the gatekeepers of Halloween. Okay. And um, the way that we got involved is we approached, or I, I don't know if we approached them or whatever, but we, anyway, we all got together. I'm sure we probably approached them. We approached Malik and we approached Miramax. We said, we'd love to um, be an additional guest at your house and see if we could help you, help you get this going. And we talked about it a long time and we, we finally, you know, started to agree of what it would look like and ha- how we would do that. And, and one of the things I said is the only thing about us being involved is I don't want to do it. Unless John Carpenter is is is, is involved in some way, that's the right instinct. He had no contractual anything. In other words, there was we could make it. We could we could be making this Halloween without him. And I said, I don't. I really, I really think we should do him. And and Malik and Miramax were both very amenable to that. And they said, you know what? We tried. We approached him, and it it didn't work out. And I said, well, he's probably still mad about the Rob Zombie. Two remakes in 2007. He, he, very, I don't acknowledge those, just in case you Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, okay, that good. was his interpretation well, okay, of Halloween. I don't, that, I'm out on those. <laughs> okay. Too violent. Both of them? Yeah, yeah too, violent. too violent. It's like, yeah. what, what was going on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. That well, was that weird Saw era of horror movies when it just very, got super dark and grisly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. like those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to be scared. I, I don't want to be like I don't, out. I, I, don't lo- I don't love those either. Yeah. Um, there are some movies that are just super, but so bloody. It's like almost like a joke. Like I don't mind that. But I, I always caught them like torture porn. Yeah, well, that's not good. I don't like that. Okay, so so anyway, back to my John Carpenter story. So so I said, can I try talking to him? And they said they said sure. And uh, I got in touch with John uh, through his agent or whatever. I, I didn't I didn't know. I never met. Him. I actually had met him briefly, but we didn't know each other. And. Uh, and I had a meeting with him and I met him as he has a little, little Hollywood house here where his office is. And I met him. I remember him the meeting was at three o'clock and I'll, that becomes important in a second. And, uh, and I started, you know, saying, listen, I want to have me. And he's like, ah, this is crap. You don't need me. And you know, and I, 
and I said, <laughs> I said, I said, well, I, I, I told him the story I just told you. I said, I really didn't want to go forward. I don't know. Well, what, what am I going to, I'm going to have nothing. I'm going to have no approvals. I'm going to have nothing. And I, I'm going to have nothing to do with it. This is bullshit. And I said, I said, it isn't. I said, we don't know each other. I said, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. I have almost every filmmaker we've worked with, we've worked with multiple times. I really, our company's built on artists and you're the original person here. And I really, uh, and, and he grouched at me again. And I looked up at him and I said, John, I said, they're going to make a Halloween movie with or without you. And by the way, with or without me. I said, I don't really want to do it without you. So both of us can can pull up shop and go home. But um, but it's still going to happen. And he kind of looked at me. And then I said, no, you're not going to have approvals. But I'm looking you in the eye. And I'm going to tell you that we're not going to make any big moves that you hate. You're a, wi- you're a wild man. I said, if, you yeah. do, if we do something you hate, it doesn't, you don't need to have contractual approval. You could go out and tweet, these guys are idiots. And our, our show is down. And, uh, and he said, all right. And at 3.16, I walked out. It was, the meeting was 16 minutes long, and I called his agent. And the agent said, wow, Shortman. I said, yeah. I said, I, I have no idea. I have, I have no idea what happened. And at 3.30, John Carpenter agreed to executive produce Halloween, which I was so psyched about. And that's the long answer to your question. But the short answer is every time we do something, when we choose the director, uh, every time a script comes in, any big creative things, John is super involved. So when we so, – so Danny and – Danny McBride and David went over, pitched them the idea, which he liked. Um, we've sent him multiple versions of the script, which he gives notes on, and he's he's creatively actually very involved in the movie, which I'm very which I'm very proud of. So even though you, I may be the wrong, uh, even though I may may not you're not, be, wrong. not have enough, you're not wrong. No, I may just not have you enough the perfect one. to carry your torch. Yeah. You can trust that John Carpenter does. Bill, do you think you would be better than John Carpenter at this? No, to John Carpenter's movie? the guru. Okay, yeah, he did right, the okay. music. So, so yeah, so yeah, we he have that. created the, he created the whole thing. And, they were just and, like kill some babysitters. It's like cool. Here's my script, and it's great. And Jamie Lee Curtis is great to have back. And Jamie Lee Curtis is she's also executive producing. And um, this opens the door now that you're with Carpenter for the Escape from New York remake, Escape from New York remake well, that I've been waiting for. Well, for I have, I have thirty five years. Yeah, well, I have, I have a few other John Carpenter things spinning around in my head. But one I, of the I best get ideas, this one off the ground. One of like the twelve best ideas for a movie of all time. Like Escape New York City has turned into a maximum security prison. <laughs> <laughs> the prisoners go in, they can't get out. The president's plane crashes inside New York City. Somebody has to go get him. It's just great. What's a better idea than that? Not there. How is that one. not a TV show? I don't that's, know. That's a Netflix series. I feel like I'm watching 13 episodes of that. So many of your movies, though, do the same thing where there's two sentences and you're like, what the hell? How is that a movie? The Purge That's is that good. kind of a the thing. Is, the elevator pitch is incredible. I was, so, yeah. I, was, I was so in love with the idea of The Purge. When, yeah. I, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's perfect. How does that, how you does know, that come you know, together? You know where that idea came from? Yeah. James DeMonico, who wrote and directed all three movies, lives on Staten Island, is in a spectacular, incredibly talented guy and a, and a, and a good friend of mine. He and his wife are driving on the, some, some uh, they don't call them freeways in New York, some throughway in New York. Someone cut him off and he's like, fuck, I want to kill that guy. And Or maybe it was his wife was driving. Anyway, one of them said that. And the other one said, what if you could? And that was the birth <laughs> of the purge. <laughs> but you know, they're very James is very um the purge really uh uh in a in a in a funny way was kind of the first get out was the 
real social thriller, but The Purge kind of laid there. The Purge is really a, a movie about, you know, gun control going haywire in the United States. The Purge in France, the French translation of the title is America's Nightmare. That's what the movie's called. That's what America's wow. Nightmare 1, 2, and 3. And in Europe and, and in other countries where they, there's a, they have a different relationship to guns, they really understand The Purge 100% as a cautionary tale. In this country, about half the audience gets it as a cautionary tale, and the other half the audience thinks The Purge may, may not be a bad idea, which is a little, a little disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Grantland, Kevin, Kevin Wilds used to do half-baked ideas. Right. And- I had through this half baked idea at him once called leap year. Cause you know, like every four years there's this extra day. Yes, of course. So my theory was on that extra day, there should all laws should go out the window. And we did this whole thing and it was really fun. And is it possible like, that I, that I read that or saw that? No, or heard? no I don't think so. Cause three years later, we're, we're going to make that movie three years later. <laughs> no, when the purge thing came out, I was getting emails like, this is the leap year idea on, on acid. Cause it, it, and I was like, this is a, the purge is a better idea than leap year. Leap year is something though. I always leap felt year like is leap year is like, you guys are in like there was four years. years. Wasn't there a serial killer done about the year that yes. there was no inheritance tax. Do you remember that? I think when that, George Bush was president or there, he, there was some year where there was no inheritance tax for 12 months. And it was all about like pushing grandma and grandpa off a cliff. Yes. There was a movie about that. It's kind of the similar. Barely remember that. There's another great, Manhattan, the the escape from New York idea. There's an amazing idea. You know Andrew Nichol, who did Gattaca, and 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 yeah. he, he has these great big ideas. We have nothing to do with this, but it's it's been around for a long time. It's called City That Sails, and it's about um about a, a a young child and his parents get divorced, and one of them moves to the UK, and one of them's in New York, and he's living with the one in New York. And the love and the amount of that he misses the parent who lives in the UK eventually cracks Manhattan off from its from from its foundation, and Manhattan sails slowly across Europe to join the child with his parent. Isn't Incredible! That cool. That's a great idea. Will Smith had played with it for a long time. Isn't that a great idea? It's about a hundred. The, that the budget of that movie would be more than all of our movies combined. <laughs> But you must hear a thousand high concept ideas a day. Like, how do you pick which ones make sense for a movie? We don't. You don't hear. It's high concept ideas. It's easy to say and easy to, but they're really, they're few and far between. The idea, the purge or or get out or they're, they're really, they're, 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 they're hard. Otherwise, you know, you'd see more movies that are clean, high concepts and they're not, they're very, they're not that many movies that are clean, high concepts. They're hard to find that aren't goofy. You know what I mean? Leap the purge year. is one sentence. I'm in. One sentence. Like, crime so, is I legal mean, those for are 12 hours a ones, year. Right. Yeah. If you can explain a movie in one sentence, isn't it's that what you want? It's a home run. Yeah. It's a home run. It's a home run, but they're hard, hard to come by. True or false. My son dressed up as a purge character for Halloween two years I ago. I hope that's true. It's a hundred percent true. I love it. So here's what happened. I love it. He's How in old the, is he? Well, he's nine and a half. I oh mean, boy. he's going to be in jail soon, uh, so I don't mind uh, talking uh, about uh. him. Um, <laughs> so this is when he was seven and a half. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to school with Frank Grillo's son as one of oh his best friends. Oh, my God. Frank. And Frank Grillo started Frank making- Grillo. Grillo, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I knew that, too. That's his, right. His son's name is Rio Grillo. Oh, oh, and you, yes. You always so want Rio, to call Rio, 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 but right, it's Rio yeah, Grillo. Rio Grillo, right. But- uh, Either he was making Purge 2 or he had just finished Purge 2 or something. And my son found out about it. He's like, Dad, I got to see The Purge. Oh, my god! Rio's dad is in Purge 2. We got to get it. Oh, God. So we watched it, and he thought it was like 
just magnificent. The greatest thing ever. Yeah. Oh my god. And then we got. He, I'm sorry about that. He had his. Uh, <laughs> it was on somewhere. It was on like Netflix or one of those places, and we had to like pull his account because we found him watching it without telling us. And, um, but he actually really did ask me once, Dad, do you think the purge could actually happen? And my wife was like, Listen, this has to stop. This has to stop now. We can't let him watch these movies, but he still watches them. The 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 other besides the incident on the throughway, the other excuse me kind of big thought that big kind of idea in in the purge is is was I mean and and obviously this is you know super sensitive now, but it is it was very upsetting to me and disturbing to James that oftentimes when there are shootings the the there's a big contingent that thinks the answer is more guns. When there's a school shooting, the idea that right. you put a guard in a school with a gun is the answer to a school shooting is really upsetting. And I think that that one of the reasons the the we the purge thought was like if you're gonna if your answer to a school shooting is putting a guard in a school with a gun, then where how far does this go? You know, that's the cautionary tale part of it. Yeah. Was it does purge it became a TV show now? So we're making the we're shooting the the fourth purge movie right now. Um, we're filming it now. It comes out in July and we're doing something that I don't think has been done before, which is we're doing a TV series at the same time. Yeah. And we're, so we're going to, we're, we've written I'll watch it. all the episodes and then I'm we're, in. we're, and, uh, as part of an interconnected thing, there, or there, that you don't need to see one or the other, but they're little Easter eggs in both. So there's a little, there's a hmm. little crossover between both. I'm waiting but, for the uh, purge NFL where it's just the end. It's oh one day God. where the NFL we're, well, is we've been watching it for years. Wait, wait, is oh wait, that's, isn't that's that already, every day. Yeah, yeah. That's already happened. Oh, that's yeah. every day. Did you read, uh, today they said, um, High school football is going way, way. Attendance is going way down. There was a big article today about it. I'm sure you guys know all about that. Yeah. The football horror movie hasn't happened. That yet. is a that is the football. Well, it's happening in real life, but I guess so is the purge. So we should do it. Yeah, yeah. So you you rejuvenated this horror franchise, in my opinion, Sean. You agree with that? There's oh, been a lot of rejuvenation. I think reinvented the whole genre in a lot of ways. For I sure. mean, this is a great room. I'm going to spend the whole day. In this room. <laughs> the, Fantastic. The part of what's cool about these choices you're making with movies is that even if they don't go gangbusters in the theater, they feel like they have this huge, huge tail on the Netflix and Hulu, Amazon world. And you go to Netflix and it's like, Hey, here's hush. And hush was just, they pushed that for two months. Yeah. Hush was great. I loved hush. And then you watch hush and then you go back to Netflix two days later and it's like, you like Tush. Here are five other movies like it. And then they're it's all like, Blumhouse. And yeah, and it's yeah. just, it, it never ends. But you couldn't have known that was going to happen with the Netflix recommendation thing. No. Or did you? That, I mean, that's a you, 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 you just, you, you just, you just like, there's so much packed into what you just said. My head is going to explode. Okay, good. Okay, my head is gonna okay explode. how do you figure out what's a movie that goes in theaters and what's a movie that goes straight to Well, streaming? Hush is a great example of a movie that, that, that really should have gone in theaters. And it should have, the hush should have been a wide release. And it wasn't a wide release because the market is so fickle. And at the time we sold hush, there were three horror movies in, in a kind of three month period that didn't do well. And as a result, what were the three? Do you remember? I don't. I, I wish I could. Um, One of them was probably The Gallows, which I thought was really good. We did good. that too. Yeah, I like The Gallows. I think, I think there was a glut. I think that's I what think, happened. I think there were too many. I think it was the summer of The Gallows. Yeah. So we had the gallows. All of a sudden, there was like ten of them. So anyway, there was there was there was, and so it was just this moment, you know. And I was, it was super frustrating to me. And you know, we sold it to Netflix, and every everyone did it did 
did all right on it. Netflix by far did the best on it. Oh my God. Um, that, I would Netflix, say that was like Netflix, a hall of famer for Netflix. Netflix. It was a hall of famer for Netflix. And then Netflix signed up Mike Flanagan to work for the rest of his life. Right. Um, um, would have been nice if they gave us a call. They didn't, but you know what? They, we, we, have, other, we, have, other great, yeah. uh, we have other great <laughs> business with he them. He made three, four movies with you, right? Mike. Yeah. We made four movies with him and then, and then Hush did so well. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a, uh, that's a, um, you know, north, north and south, and 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 I'm not saying this because it's. Just, I hate when people. I hate when you hear an interview like, "Oh, well, I have a great relationship with them." We do. We just we 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 sell Netflix a ton of material, and we do have a very good relationship with them. That was to me a not a great part of the relationship, uh, and that's a real. There's a there's a whole nother show you could do on the difference between you know the. North and Northern and Southern California's approach to content. And that's kind of the studio would never do that. Like a studio, if you sold a studio, a movie, um, if we sell a studio, a movie and the studio is going to get in business with the filmmaker, there's the studio talks to the production company and you kind of, you know, it's just a known thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I think that's, you know, one of the culture differences. And I think that's getting sorted out. But, uh, but I was certainly, I was very frustrated by that. It was a very frustrating thing. Like you, you, we did so great on your movie. Uh, <laughs> thanks. See you later. They spotted and, the, and, talent. and, and, and look, Netflix, you know, what you said before, we can lament the idea that you wouldn't see kicking in and screaming in a theater, but also if it weren't for Amazon and Netflix, kicking and screaming wouldn't exist today. And it, th those movies still do exist. So there is a lot to be said for the fact that independent film would pretty much be dead if it weren't. I'd rather see an independent, I'd rather that at least you get to see independent film at home on TV than not see it at all. And there would be no independent film if it weren't for streaming services. There just wouldn't. We'll be back with Jason and Sean in one second. First, a break to talk about the NBA, my favorite sport. After a blockbuster offseason, the NBA is back. The 2017-18 season tips off on TNT on Tuesday night, October 17th. Oh my God, it's here. An electrifying doubleheader that features friends, foes, familiar faces. First up, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward leading my beloved Boston Celtics to Cleveland. Boo! To battle LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and the Cavs. That's 7 p.m. Eastern. Right after that, we go to the West. James Harden, Chris Paul. New Houston Rockets teammates going to the Bay, taking on the defending champion Warriors, 1030 Eastern. I would say I like the Celtics and I like Golden State on a parlay. Celtics at Cavs, Rockets at Warriors. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern. TNT. Listen, you don't have to just go to TNT. You can also go to the TNT app, which I highly recommend. Basketball is here. Oh, and by the way, let's talk about Miller Lite. Brewed not just to only taste great. But also be less filling. It has only 96 calories, so it won't fill you up. It's brewed to be enjoyed from tip-off to final buzzer, and they have been an awesome partner for TheRinger.com. It is the original light beer and has been since they first showed up courtside in 1975. I may have a couple Miller Light posters from the early 80s because they used to have this awesome ad campaign with some of my favorite athletes. Miller Light. Not only tastes great, it's also less filling. All right. Back to Jason Blum. Here's what you've proven to me this decade. Any home invasion, if it's done correctly, is going to work. Home invasion or, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go write my book in my cabin you, that's now, in a now, really remote now, place. I'm going to so refute what you just said. 
Home you, invasion movies. No, they work. You sound like everyone's a ho- afraid you, to have their home invaded. You sound like a Hollywood executive. No, I mean, home invasions work. No, that's Flat not. Out, no, they, work. they don't work. Yes. I should show you nine hundred home invasion if movies done that well, haven't I worked. I said if they're done well. Uh, if they're done well. You know what really works well? Yeah. Ah, I'm gonna go to my cabin and work on this. <laughs> There's really bad cell phone service here. It's cell phone. That's why there's so many period horror movies, by the way, because you can get rid of the cell phones. That's why. That's why every horror movie is period because you the cell phones are so difficult. To- Here's the other one that always works. Yeah, I just bought a house. Something's weird and weird in this place. I can't figure it out. I can't. Is he making hey, fun of my entire business? I'm not making fun of it. No. I like these movies. I'm kidding. I'm hey, kidding. I'm kidding. Have you been up in the attic? <laughs> Found this chest. Oh my god. This chest, don't open it. No, let's open it, but let's have some wine first and turn off all the lights and put on some candles. (laughs) And make sure it's midnight. But like one of my favorite movies ever is Amityville Horror, the original with James Brolin. Yeah, that's a Which is the most terrified I've ever been in a movie theater. And like I used to wake up Mm. at 3.15 in the morning and be freaked out and the whole thing. And it's like- We did an Amityville Horror. I remember. I don't think I haven't seen it. Like No, you haven't seen it. The Ryan Reynolds one? No, 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 no. We didn't do that. We did another one. We did like one it's of the sequels. It's not out yet. It's coming out. It's coming out on VOD. It's coming out on, on Google Play. I think. Is it a remake of the old ones? No, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a re, no no it's not it's a, a reimagination. It's a re, reimagination. Ah. Reimagination. Amityville, the OG Long Island. Um, yes. You've been to that house. I grew up five minutes from that house. Did you really? Yeah. Now, do you know that house? Was, do you know that was for sale and it was super cheap? I wanted to buy it. I didn't. For what reason? It, because it's this great, it's an amazing house. Tourist and it attraction? was super cheap because of, people thought it was haunted. I mean, yeah. how crazy I is that? I just want to say that I knew that was for sale and I knew what the price was and I looked at all the rooms and it was like way cheaper than I thought it was going to be. It's you, on the water. You, you went in to look at the house? Yeah, that and the Boogie Nights house. Yes. I circled. I never yes. would have bought them, but, but I just but wanted to live I, in a world I only where saw I could have. pictures. Wasn't it great? The end of a horror house. Amazing. Did you we see the Night's house? No. How was that? It's in West Covina. We thought about moving our entire ringer operator, all of our video to the Boogie Nights When you house. say we thought about it. Well, I thought about you it. You thought about it and we said there's no way that like will It was like less happen. than a million dollars. So it, was, it was exactly the same. It was Jack Horner's yeah. house with all the thing. We could have shot all our video there. I mean. And we weren't going to do it, but we had the conversation. Fantastic. We yeah. were never going to move to the Amityville Horror House. That was never on the table. <laughs> no, that was never happening. No, I actually, I got to say, I, I would I be would terrified not. to actually buy that house. Now, we made a movie about I do this. believe, like, some, the, he did shoot all the people in that I would, that yeah happened. he did i wouldn't be we made you know we made a movie about this you ever did you see sinister yeah great movie. talking to okay my bad my bad i'm not i'm sorry i'm not every I, movie you made on this the same incre- tv i love I'm watching sorry. horror movies i'm sorry so remember sinister that's the plot of sinister he yeah. moves his yes. he moves his family into a haunted with your friend house ethan. with my friend ethan yeah which was i love that's not a high concept but that's that was a great i, lo- I really love and i love you know, I had a. I, I really think Scott Derrickson is. I was going to say another filmmaker a, that you springboard. He was a great partner. That's an he is a great movie. partner. We're yeah. working on on different different things with him, but he he was. That's a great movie. Here's another one. Hey, I found this Ouija board in the attic. Don't use it. Oh God. Now let's get drunk and use it one night. What could go wrong? That's that, actually that's a good. That's, that's, a plot. that's Ouija three. Yeah, that's a good thing to discuss because on paper. The Ouija movie shouldn't work and had been in the universe. Oh, I disagree. Forever. I, I'm like, scared that had been of Ouija in Hollywood boards. for a long time. It's a hundred million dollar movie. Yes. It was, yeah. it was like Platinum Dunes. We made movie, it for a right? hundred cents. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. how does that happen? How do you make a board game a good movie? 
great, oh, 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 entirely great filmmaker. We only made one, by the way. We made two. The mm-hmm. first movie, I, I thought we we did not hit right. the mark. Two is, is the, the better. The second movie yes. was Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. But the, how do you make a board game a great movie? You go to someone who's fantastic, and and Mike Flanagan, he really he really he helped us a lot on the first movie, and then he he made the second movie terrific and that the, he's the reason that the movie is great i mean he's he's a massively talented fellow you know um that's how you do it that's how you do it and and then you have to let them be free you have to let them be free and that's easy for me to say because our movies are low budget you know if, if you if we were making 50 million dollar ouija movie you can't let a film you can't let, just let someone do whatever they want unless it's you know one of five people um um and so that's, that's you let how one we do slip it. by though which one? I don't think you did the bye bye man. Yeah, but did you do? Are, are we? Are, are we? Are we regretful of that? <laughs> <laughs> so I say yes. Talk to me. Ta- because tell I me think why. your team could have. It was. It was the pieces were there. Well, we passed on it. The pieces were there, and it needed something. We, I still saw it in the theater with my son, just you? for the record. Yeah, yeah. We passed on it, and I liked it better than the people that worked for me. So I. Totally blame them and then throwing them, throwing them. <laughs> but throwing it wasn't them, good. I, them, I feel like it should have. It was one of those. It should have been, been good. It could have been. It had. Could have been. Elements and like Faye Dunaway shows up at one point. I know. That was that. I know why Is that, that happened. Faye Dunaway's in this movie. Why, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah, that was one that of was. the smart ones you did that I would love to see more of. Is Unfriended, mm. which you'll see more. Is of that. like the the online horror experience. That was great. That is was, untapped. I love, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there have been some knockoffs which haven't worked in that no. arena, but but uh, one but, was uh, just released recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. What called, was that? One? It was like called Friend Request or something. Nice. Like it yeah, was called yeah, Friend yeah. Request. Yeah. yeah, it didn't work. Is it on Netflix yet? Yeah. <laughs> it will be in about <laughs> is three it a weeks. Ouija board. Uh, it will, will be in three weeks. <laughs> You'll you can let your son know. Anybody yeah. go to the attic? <laughs> That'll be the day he joins Facebook. What do you think? Do you think the babysitter era will ever come back? Oh yeah, definitely. Cause like they that prom night, which I'm out of horror movies to watch with my kids, so we right. we tried to watch prom night. Jesus, from I got to get cracking. 1980, which right. is just really oh. awful. Wow, really, really, really bad. Right, and uh, and then they remade it like 10 years ago, and the remake's not terrible. Right, right. But that whole era of they they made they tried to do like Halloween, then they tried to do all the different holidays. <laughs> there wasn't really the one you did Happy Death Day that's coming out. When? Yeah, that comes out. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth. So you basically created your own holiday. Happy Death Day comes out Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, I'm very, very, very pleased about What's that. What's the movie. give me the one sentence concept? Uh the one sentence concept is uh the horror version of Groundhog Day. I'm in. Right, there we go. There we go. There we go. How many murders can you squeeze into one? one now movie? I will tell you something. I will admit something. It's cheating to use another movie in your high concept idea. It's it is cheating a little bit. Okay. I'll still cheat on this one. Technically, your high concept idea should not reference another film. But you right? can cross genre, though. We are crossing genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fine. It's a comedy. Yeah, no, I'm just saying a pure high concept. You're not. Right. You shouldn't really be referencing another movie. But it's a, it's it still works. Credit to you guys. The movie is very self aware about that. It yeah, knows, you, you saw it. Knows it right? what it's doing. Oh yeah, yes. you saw it. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? Where was it? 
we were we 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 were asked specifically for you to. I said absolutely. He could see anything we've ever done, whether we even if we haven't shot it yet. The thing is, you're going to love it no matter what, given this conversation. So I missed the link. We'll get you. Another I was in one. New York City last we'll get, week. Yeah, we'll get There's you another a link. One. There's a second. Watch Happy Death Day tonight. Tonight. <laughs> this is the greatest day yeah, of my life. Yeah. Wait. You have a nine-year-old, and how's the old? Oh, old? I know what we're doing today. No. How many? Who, who, uh, twelve and a half-year-old daughter. Who? So twelve and a half and nine. Yeah. Perfect. The daughter. It's, it's made for the daughter. It's PG thirteen. We're we're out of movies. Well, we, I mean, we, I, here's I'm how here, bad I got. I'm here to deliver. I'm we here watched to save. The Forest on Tuesday night. Stop watching The Forest. <laughs> forest is not good. Get on to Happy Death Day. Forest. Stop. Don't fall asleep in the forest. Stop with the forest already. Not a great one. Yeah. I would like to see the Friday the 13th genre. I feel like that's the untapped. I don't know who owns the rights to that. I do. So I tried to get it because I really want to do that movie. Uh, This is time. Hold on. We got to go back to Happy Death Day in a second because there's one thing I want to say about it. But but let me me just talk about Friday the 13th. Please. Okay. Iconic. I call up. Iconic. 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 Who? You I'm remember not, the I'm commercial? Not, you were, you were not, 11 like me? That commercial would come out when you were like 10 years old and it was like, one, murder, two, two murder. One. And it was like, I was like, ah. All right. be like terrified. Yeah, yeah anyways, can I, can I tell my story? Yeah, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave out the names because it's a little controversial what I'm about to say, but you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Okay. I call up the studio that controls the rights to Friday the 13th. This is about two years ago. They've been developing it for a long time, and they have this interesting thing where if they, which happens a lot in these movies that have been around a while, if they don't make a movie by a certain time, the movie reverts to a total different rights holder. In this case, it was another studio. I called them up two years ago. I said, guys, you've been futzing with this thing for a long time. I said, I can make this movie. They had it at 15, at $20 million. I said, I can make the movie for 5 million bucks. I have a awesome idea for the movie. I have an amazing filmmaker. Let me make, I'll co-finance it. I'll, I'll put up half, you know, whatever. Like, let me make this with you. And they said, that is a great idea. We can't wait. We're in. And I never heard from them again. And I, <laughs> fu- I really never heard from them again. And they developed this movie. They, they, they just were nice to me. And then they, they, they ignored me. And then they developed this Friday the 13th. And it, and it, 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 it the budget went from 15 to 18. Da, 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 da. And, I even, I even, I even, I even, I even told the filmmaker who I think is a good filmmaker. I told the filmmaker who was attached at the time. I said, I said, I really don't think this movie's going to happen. We were talking about something else. Anyway, that movie shut down, and that studio, the rights reverted. The studio lost the rights. The rights went to another. Shuts studio. down because they couldn't. Just they get couldn't their get shit it. To, they couldn't get yeah. it together. And 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 so it irks me that one. But I would love to do it. I would love. Are to Are you going to swoop in? For the, the 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 no because the studio where it's I, I the studio where it is I don't think I I mean I would try the studio where it is now has a it's not like anyone would know if they looked all this stuff up but a studio I feel like I'm just talking in code not in code but the studio where it is has a much much healthier track record in the genre so they're 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 unlikely to uh, to uh, take my phone call about that particular subject. I'm ready. <laughs> Well, they're gonna make it. They're, they'll do a good job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a good job. I'm gonna give you a movie to buy the rights for, just because you've been a great guest. I'm ready. I'm ready. God, I can't wait. Silent Ridge, Chuck Norris, 1980. I know the movie. One. I'm I know the say. movie. I know the movie. Starts out. Uh, yes. Remind mental, me. Mentally ill guy. Right. Starts out. He's just chopping wood in the back. Mm-hmm. 
loses his mind for some reason. Something snaps. His house, it's too chaotic. His family does snaps, goes in, just starts killing his family with an axe. Sheriff Chuck Norris comes in. They end up having a little karate fight, subdues him. Um, in the back of the police car, the guy kicks the windows out, run, runs out. They shoot him. He's dead. Goes to the hospital. Uh, Ron Silver, the doctor, he's been messing around with this, this medicine idea that can bring people back to life. And they decide to start using this guy's corpse to see if they can do it. They make him indestructible. He goes out. He can't die. He's the serial killer. He can't right. die. Goes back out. This guy, now he's going out. He's killing people. They don't know who's doing it. And Chuck Norris gets him in the Can I just I'm so, Will you direct it? I, want, I just want to be a consultant. I do want to point out that that is also the story of a movie called Frankenstein. So you may want to... <laughs> <laughs> that, may, that may be taken. That's fair. Yes, that is fair. That's that may fair. be taken. But I did... I did in, like when I was writing for ESPN, I think like 2001, Ali came out. Right. And I did the junket. And I talked to everybody for 10 minutes and Ron Silver played like uh, Angela Dundee. <laughs> you asked about Silent so Rage. we sit down and Ron Silver's like doing this junket. He's like in a coma. And I'm like, Silent Rage. And he's like, the guy who wouldn't die. He got so excited. I had him for I had him for 10 solid minutes. Um, what, what else do we want well, to talk we, about? I have Jason? several things to discuss. Yeah, okay. First of all, first of all, you haven't we haven't talked about The Gift, which is one of our favorite movies. We were just been talking about it. Very well. Oh, good. I mean, I, I think it was well, my you kind know of what? Movie. Let me let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. It did. We didn't do very well off it, and the filmmaker didn't do very well off it, which irks me to this day. But that was no. It was it was more an issue of the international didn't do particularly well, and um, the PNA was pretty high in the movie. But overall, it was certainly looked of looked at as a success. But 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 for me. Um, much more importantly, critically, I really, I just loved the movie. I thought Joel did such a terrific job. It was good. Well, you, I mean, you gave Joel Edgerton a shot to make a movie. You never made a movie before. Yeah, we did. We did. Why? I'm a big believer. I don't, I really don't like working with first-time directors, but I have, my definition of first-time directors is like 23-year-old had a, had a short in Sundance. Yeah, but I think actors, I really believe in actor directors. That's what Jordan Peele, I mean, he was a writer director. He was a showrunner. The best people to direct our movies are showrunners. I'm always going after TV showrunners to direct our movies, but they make so, they make so much money yeah. doing show running. They rarely want to take five months off to make a movie, but the best fit for our company are TV showrunners. But I think actors who spent a long time on sets, I really believe in, I'm always trying to get actors to, uh, to, to direct movies. Vince D'Onofrio is directing Ethan now in a movie. I talked to Ethan yesterday and he was saying, you know, it's just, even though it's not, basically he's a first time director. He did one little tiny movie, but it's like, it's, it's just, he, they know what they want and they, and the other actors feel so, so many directors don't talk to actors. They're frightened. They're scared of them or intimidated by it. It's amazing. The number of directors who don't focus on actors, which to me is the most important part of the movies is acting. So I really believe in, uh, in, in working with directors and, converting them working with actors converting them to directing and then you started branching out doing trying to do the model that you you kind of grew up working in which was dimension and miramax and dimension was the horror side right. and miramax was like the indie side and then you're like why can't this all be one thing and you do whiplash whiplash which i right. thought was fantastic one of my favorite movies of the decade yeah i love that movie I, and you uh, i love stumbled into too. this director who yeah, was, was like kind of a prodigy yeah so amazing. what'd you see in him 
well, you, you mean, why do we do? I'll tell you the whiplash story. So the whiplash story is kind of a good story. The whiplash story was uh, I, we, the guy who runs production for us, a guy named Cooper Samuelson, who's a terrific executive. And right towards the beginning, he's been with us for five, four or five years now, maybe six years. And right in the beginning, he, he brought me the script of Whiplash, which I read. And I thought it was a good script. I didn't think it was the ma- most amazing thing in the world. I thought it was fine. I said, we don't, we don't make these. We, this, isn't, this is a fun script. It's not for us. Yeah. And Cooper is a very smart guy, a uh, very, very bright guy. And my one of my favorite filmmakers is Jason Reitman. And Cooper knew uh, someone who worked for Jason Reitman. Cooper gave the script to that person and Cooper knew Damien because they had gone to college together and Damien had done, you know, Cooper found Damien a hundred percent. And anyway, he got Jason Reitman to agree to produce the movie. And he came back in my office a month later, two months later, he said, what if Jason Reitman was producing? I said, we're in just because I'm a Jason Reitman fan. I said, I, yeah. I, I want to work with Jason. Reitman. I want to meet Jason Reitman. I want to work with Jason Reitman. And I, and that's, and that was the beginning of, of whiplash, which is pretty cool. So, I'm friends with Jason. Very good. And he's one of the six people I can have a kicking and screaming conversation with. <laughs> you mean because no one else has seen it? No, because they, you have to be of a certain, you have to be the, there's a, there's like a two-year age range where right. that movie hits you differently than if you're any other age range. Right, right, right. He's in Which the age is range. our age range. Yeah. It's, well, it's that Generation X, Right. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. There's no job market and I just, and I wish I was still in college, you but I'm not. Do you know what the original title of the movie was? What? For your Kicking and Screaming trivia? It was called Fifth Year. And it was oh, about exactly what you just said, which is about, we were all, we all went to Vassar together, Noah and Jeremy Kramer and I, and we, we, we produced the movie and Noah directed it. We were all, we were roommates in college and we had the, this, I think, unusual college experience when we were at college, we were very cognizant of the fact that it wasn't going to get as good as it was in college for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had got, they gave you cameras, you made movies. We were making movies every day and free this and they had free food, everything. Your whole life is taken care of. And I think it took, it took 20 years for me anyway, to get to a place where I felt as good as I did in college. And we all were very aware of that. And we all used to make endless jokes about trying not to graduate to stay for a fifth year. And so the movie was called Fifth Year, about exactly what you just said. So which character were you? I was a character in the movie. I'm not even going to remember. Skippy. Skippy. You were Skippy? Skippy. Wow. I was Skippy. I was, I was Skippy. <laughs> Who played Skippy? Uh, the dude Colin Car- from Carlos, 90210. Carlos. Uh, Jason Wiles. Jason Wiles. Wiles. I was Skippy. I was Skippy. I was Skippy. Wow. So you had yeah. like a love-hate yeah. relationship yeah. with your girlfriend? Yes, I had. A, yes, I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. Actually, and, did she hook uh, up with one of your friends? And she did that too. She did that too. She did that too. She did that too. <laughs> that movie came mm. out. I saw it by myself in Cambridge. No, not Cambridge. In uh, in um, where B the BU Theater, whatever the the Nickelodeon. Yeah, right. And right, I, like at that specific point in my life, I was Grover. Amazing. And right down to the point Grover. where he's calling his dad, talking about the Knicks. I'm like, what the fuck um, just happened? Yeah, Are there amazing. cameras in my apartment? And, Every uh, three weeks or so, I get a, a kicking and screaming email from Bill. No. It's just like, remember that scene, no. kicking and screaming? That's it's amazing. Like, well, they, wait, there's only Why a couple. You- like, Klosterman likes it. Michael Weinreb. <laughs> There's 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 a small group of just yeah. like Very that's like our well, movie. was that yeah yeah so you want to hear a good kicking and screaming story so so I was uh, my first job I was roommates with Noah in Chicago we moved from Poughkeepsie to New York we moved to Chicago we lived in this one bedroom apartment and uh, and Noah was writing kicking and screaming and I was I sold uh, 
I sold cable TV. I did commission-only cable TV, like door-to-door salesman. And then we, after a year in Chicago, we moved to New York, and I was a real estate agent. I got my real estate license. I was a real estate agent in New York. We sent the script out to everyone. We had a list. It was before computer, before email. You know, We had a list on the thing of the wall. We sent 300 copies of the script out. We just, every day, we'd spend three hours. How do we do it? Years went by. Finally... Uh, my father, uh, who is, who, who's retired now, but he was an art dealer and my father did some, you know, did this super nice thing and he knew, he's still very good friends with Steve Martin and Steve Martin and him talked about art. I didn't know Steve Martin, but he gave Steve Martin the script of Kicking and Screaming, which was this, which was amazing when it come to, you know, I think about it now. And, uh, even more amazing, Steve Martin read the script. It was by a child. It was by an NYU. I mean, not in my fast. It was by a twenty. It was like by a kid. I mean, imagine how many scripts he gets. And anyway, he read it, and he loved it. And he wrote a letter on his stationery, which I still have to this day, and I have nine hundred copies of it, which I'll explain why. <laughs> and uh, and 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 he called, or I called, got him on the phone somehow. My hand was shaking like this. I remember, and I said, "Would you, you know? Would you think about being in the movie?" Which was a joke, you know. He finds like, "No, I'm not going to be, be in the movie. I'm not going to be in your student film," which is essentially what it was. He's. I said, "I said, could we show your letter to other people?" He said, show the letter to anyone you want. He said, I thought this script was great. I wish you guys the best he of luck. He could have played Elliot Gould's character. I know, I know. But at that time, that even when, even when that happened, it was so pre, the movie was so not in any shape or form, right? right? We ripped off the cover page of the script. I put Steve Martin's letter, which was this effusive letter about kicking and screaming, back on the script. I, we sent it back out to the 300 people. The movie got made six months later. Unbelievable. Isn't that cool? It was really cool. I thought Josh Hamilton, I, I would have bought a ton of stock. I mean, it's not like his career went badly, but it seemed like he was going to, he had a chance to be like somebody big. From Super that, famous. From I, that I, era. But I, I don't think he necessarily. I don't, it doesn't um, seem like he wanted it. I was going to say, I don't think that's his, his he's, end goal. He's an amazing. Still a huge theater actor. Yeah, I was yeah that's say. Right, yeah. That he went he, into he's theater a, stuff. He's an amazing theater actor. And yeah. watching Josh on stage is is a, is just incredible, and I'm really glad to tell you the truth that he that he did choose that because he's so so good on stage. He's like, you know, Liev is like that. Just like mm-hmm. there's certain people, not to say that Liev is not a great, you know, yeah, yeah. but but like when you watch him on stage, you're just like, oh. And there's certain a- stage actors, you know, who did become famous and do a big TV series or whatever. And I think it's kind of sad. Sean's generation's younger than us. Our generation. Some of the movies, especially the ones that resonated, like that one, and like before, before um, sunset. Which was the first yeah. one? Sunset or before sunrise? Sunrise. Before sunrise. Sunrise. Um, reality bites. They're all about. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was like this old school era that kind of started with uh, uh, say tr- anything. The hold the yeah. hold the, uh, the, the ghetto the, blaster the, the, outside the, the radio, outside the of the radio. radio. But yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. it was so hard to communicate with people. We didn't yeah. have cell phones back then. It was yeah. like if you love somebody. And they and they weren't near yeah. you. You had to figure out how to stay in touch with them. You had to write a poem. Yeah, and kicking and screaming. Door. Like the girl moves away, she leaves a message on his machine. Yeah, and he like that won't listen to the whole thing for like two months. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. has no idea what happened to her. And she sent a postcard. Now they would just be texting. Of course, the movie wouldn't couldn't. The but that was that era. It was like yeah. I may never see this person again. What's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. We wanted, I became friends with Ethan right around that time because, and one of the reasons we we really wanted him to be in the movie, of course. And, um, he would have been a big rover. 
he would have been great. Yeah. And and that's when I started. I started when I moved to New York and was a real I was a real estate agent during the day and produced kicking and screaming during the day. And at night I was producing this theater company called Malapart. And Ethan Hawk was the was the artistic director. And he it was right at the reality bites time. So he was he would not that he's you know, he was super, super famous to a very specific generation, just like you're talking about. And Ethan and I would go on 42nd Street to TKTS, you know, where they're lined for the and the people in line, the tourists in line to buy tickets. And they would recognize it. Oh my God, that's Ethan Hawke. And I would was behind him with the flyer for a show. And I'd say, yeah, it is. And you can see him tonight in a play for 10 bucks. And we did theater for $10. And we did it for years. Um, um, and it was a great, it was it was Ethan, it was uh, Frank Whaley, Robert Sean Leonard, Josh Hamilton, Isabel Gillies, Callista Flockhart. It was this, am- Steve Zahn, this amazing group of actors. Um, Robert was- Sean Leonard, another guy who had a lot of stuck. They, they, you had These a lot of Robert had great Sean careers. Leonard stuck. Not no, I know they did. Down. I just, after Dead Poets, Well, Robert like, Sean Leonard did amazing. House forever. Yeah. You know, he married my, I introduced him to my cousin. He's married to my cousin. Um, wow. and we're, we're, uh, you know, we've been friends for 25 years now. Um, he is an, and, and I'm so glad he's done with house and now he's starting to do theater again, but he's another, I'm you know, just glad incredible. he's lived after dead poets Society. I thought he died. <laughs> oh my God. Neil! This Neil! Is, this is my, <laughs> my rel- son. This is my relative for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> my son. <laughs> it's such a devastating movie. We didn't talk about Miramax. I think we have to at least. Miramax. Yeah. I think we have to at least. Mention right, Harvey. Right, right. I mean, oh, this yeah, is like pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. newsworthy at yeah, this point. Yeah, I would yeah. feel like a coward if I didn't bring it up. Yeah, yeah. You worked for him yeah. for five years. I know I did. Famously temperamental character. Yeah, he was controversial. He was, yeah. Wait, yeah. what's the most misunderstood thing about him? Oh my God, he's been so dissected and examined. I think there's very little left that that's misunderstood. I mean, I think I think it's I think it's he's. I think he's, you know, he's been under a microscope for so long. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think what's happened is is really sad. I think it's excellent that um, women are coming forward, and I think that they have to come forward, and they have to come forward more. You know, we're doing a, a series about Roger Ailes, and I was, I was, we're doing a a ten part series on on Roger Ailes, and and uh, you know, and the Bill O'Reilly. I mean, I think, I think the, I think. There's nothing good about it except that I think it's good that women are coming forward, and I think it's very alarming what happened. How much did you see of that when you were there? I didn't see. I didn't. No, I can talk about it. I didn't. I mean, I didn't see any of it. I heard rumors about. I was a you know, twenty seven year old white guy. I was not in the inner circle. I was a very young executive there, so I heard rumors about it, and I heard rumors about everything else, but I didn't experience any of it firsthand. There's one other person that is notable for Bill that you have worked with closely, which is M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, yeah. Who you're having a lot of success with now. Yeah, we're on our third movie together. There's been an M. Night Revival. M. Yeah. Night Revival. It's just shyamalan Shyamalan-assance. We went to his, uh, my wife and I were, uh, were on the East Coast for, for part of the summer, and we went to uh, his house and had lunch with him. He's got this amazing, amazing estate in Pennsylvania. Six cents money? Six cents six money. Or maybe the second one, unbreakable I money. I don't know. One of them, he I must don't know. Paid. But, but he's, he's a, uh, he's a, you know, he's just a terrific, spectacular filmmaker. And, uh, and he loves movies, you know, his, 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 his house is almost kind of a, an, uh, a shrine to storytelling. And it's, 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 uh, 
I love working with him. He's so enthusiastic. He's so, you know, it's amazing how many, how many writers and directors you, you work with who are, you know, not, not that driven. And you, in order to, you gotta, if you got it to be in this business, as you know, and we, we know you, you, you have to love it and it has to be in your bones. And I'm surprised yeah. at the amount of people I come across who, who it isn't like that. And night boy, he's just, he just thinks about it and thinks about every aspect of everything he's doing. That's inspiring to be around. One more quick break to talk about Gillette. Did you know the tip of a Gillette razor blade is measured on an atomic scale? That means their blade edges are thinner than a single brain cell. That precision is the work of many, many brain cells. Hundreds of members of Gillette's research and development team have spent over 4,700 years combined working to make your shave closer, more comfortable. That's longer than the Egyptian pyramids have been around. And wow, over 1,000 craftsmen and women in Boston are busy making your blades. Another team is putting your blades through more than 60 extremely strict and precise quality checks. Fail just one of the tests that doesn't leave the factory. In other words... The hardworking people at Gillette never stop working to make your blades better. Now that includes the price tag. Get Gillette blades at their lowest prices in years. See for yourself at GilletteOnDemand.com. Gillette, the best a man can get. Also, great shaving cream by Gillette. Hey, pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. And since we're here next week, NBA Palooza preview on The Ringer, Monday and Tuesday. We have so much stuff going up on all of our platforms Go to the landing page on theringer.com as soon as it goes up. Podcast, videos, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. It's all happening Monday and Tuesday. We're going to cover the NBA with the love and respect that it deserves. All right, back to Jason Blum. I'm going to go through all the things on your IMDb that are in production. Okay. What, and I'm going to guess, I'm gonna guess in one or, sentence. Yeah. And then can I can I talk about um, Chris Landon a little bit? Because I haven't gotten to talk about him, and it's yeah. one of my favorite topics. He, when do that he now? He did Happy Death Day. Um. As I think about what we talked about, you know, one of the things that I like best about my job is that I get to work with these um, super, super talented, creative people. Um, and most of them we talked about, but we haven't talked about Chris Landon. So Chris Landon and I did four Paranormal Activity movies together. He wrote three of them. Those he directed are, the fourth one. Those were I saw the first one in the theater. I was like, this is just smart. Yeah. Just, that couldn't have cost more than like 10 bucks. 10,000 bucks. 15,000 bucks. 15,000 bucks. 15, bucks. Fifteen thousand bucks. Smart. We we uh, we we uh, we uh, yeah. It was great. It was great. anyway. Sorry. Anyway, so so Chris Landon, um, we did all these movies together, and he's he is one of the real authors of the success of the paranormal sequels. And I've always wanted to do something else with him, and he's he's really a great writer director. I also think he's undervalued because he's working on sequels, so he doesn't you know usually the person who gets credit for the franchise is the person who started it, which was Oren. Chris got. Chris got, you know, the people who help with the sequels get overshadowed a bit. So all I, all I just wanted to say was that it was great to finally get to do this with him. And he, he really, he rewrote, but essentially wrote and directed the movie. And I'm, you know, looking forward to working on a lot more with him. And, uh, and you have to see it tonight with your kids. I'm, it's happening. Okay, I want go. you guys to know okay, something. Go. If I moved into a house and something weird happened, like within the first week, like the dining room table just tipped over, but nobody was in the house. I'm fucking out. You just I'm said out. you wanted to buy the Amityville Horror House. No, I no, I didn't say I wanted to buy it. I said I was fascinated by the thought of buying it. I wouldn't have actually bought it. I, I was like, wow, it. this is available. I Who's buying this I thing? I would have bought it. Now, what you just said is the single most difficult storytelling issue we deal with on every single movie. That's yeah. why Get Out was kind of so It's great. like the old Andy Get Murphy out, joke from Get 35 out years was ago. A, was a joke on... Um, 
uh, when uh, on watching a movie, watching a move, watching a haunted house movie, and you're in the audience, you're like, get out. That's what it's about. Because it's like, what are you staying in the house, you idiot? Get out. Now, James on Insidious did this great thing in the first Insidious where they leave. Remember? Yes. They're in a house. The stuff goes, happens, just like you said. And then Patrick and Rose are like, we need to leave. And the, the brilliant thing about a first Insidious movie is the end of the first act, they move to a new house. And then- it, that's why the tagline of the movie, it's the house that's that your your that it's that the your son is haunted, not the house or whatever the thing is, which is the ghost moves with them, which is great. But the biggest trick of making scary movies is how to keep people in a haunted house, just what you said. Super hard to do. Did you fire like eight people after it became a massive success? I fired everyone. Just start no. over. Just well, get an entertainment. I was gonna talk point. about that, but then I stopped myself. But now that you've opened it up, I will talk about it because I was <laughs> what I was gonna say was that it just killed the only record we have left, basically, it just killed all of our records. <laughs> the only one we have left is the most profitable movie as it relates from budget, fifteen thousand to gross. So percentage of budget, but everything else it it now, and I will say, in my defense, my kids loved it. In my, uh, I loved it too. I I, I loved it's it. It's really too. good. It's really good. Yeah. It's a big budget movie. So the reason that everyone nice. thinks it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a little bit. I like it. No, no, yeah. I'm not peeing. Put yeah, your boxing gloves on. Drop, no, no, no. Put your no, drops I'm on not it. peeing. On it. <laughs> I'm just suggesting it's a different game. Lower degree of difficulty. Did they add more money? Yes, definitely lower degree of difficulty. But. And the reason, if 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 it was a five million dollar movie, I think I would have, I would have, I would have just, you know, jumped off, jumped off my building, and that would have been the end of me. And it. Stephen but, King but, got paid for that. Did he get paid for it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Don't worry. Sure. You know, I'm worried about him. Did. I don't know if yeah, he has yeah, enough yeah, money. Yeah. I think he was fine By the way, before if, it. If you yeah. thought, oh, yeah, you're right. If you thought of it, you got paid at that studio <laughs> yeah, or anything yeah. to do. Anyone who had anything to touch it, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that I mean, make you more competitive though when you see a movie like that breaking some of your records? Oh, yeah. of course, of course. But that the the, the thing when, <laughs> when Get Out was going up, I was looking at The Exorcist was the highest grossing movie of all time, so, and I remember I looked at that number when we were when Get Out. I was like, could we do it? And I was thinking, boy. That just can never happen. It was 1972. It can never happen. And then when it broke, even though it's not, whatever, it did break it in different dollars, but whatever. Um, so yeah, totally. It made me did you feel like the secret of Get Out was kept secret enough? Because I mean, I you think know. about did, like, did, did, did you, we had this great thing in the trailer. I thought it was. I, I, did. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. We had this great Because I was moment. worried the internet's going to fuck things up. But I remember Blair Witch 20 years ago. I, I was in the theater and Blair Witch, it finished. I didn't know if it happened or not. <laughs> like they Because in, the, in that era, you could really keep the secret the whole time. Yeah. Get out. I, like, um, We had this great moment in the run up to the movie where we had the moment of the keys, her dangling the keys that was in the trailer. And I thought it should have been in the trailer and the studio thought it should have been in the trailer. My great marketing partners, Josh and Michael, we were all three on the same page. And Jordan said, it it can't be in the trailer. Gives it away. And and between Michael, Josh, and I, we've done 300 movies. Jordan has done one. So it's a really tough position to be in. And we said, we tested them together and da-da-da. It was about a month of conversations. And finally- Jordan came in and said, I just, you just can't do it. And Jordan's an incredible talent for a lot of reasons, but that right there is a great example of it. We didn't do it, obviously. It was a totally stupid thing to have done. I was wrong. Josh and we were, the three of us were wrong and Jordan was right, but he's done, but to do one movie 
and get your way and not piss the three of us off because he really thought about it and worked on it. And he just said, I can't live with this. I just can't live with this. And there are a lot of studios that would have said, we don't care. And another great thing about a low budget movie is it's harder for a studio to say that when they're looking at a director who hasn't been paid for the work that he's done. His only, he only gets paid if the movies makes money. And he says, I can't live with this. You almost kind of morally have to listen to him. I feel that way. And Universal felt that way. And we did. And he was right. And it's a real, you know, it's a tribute to him. Trust creative people. That's, That's one right. of my mottos. That's Very right. True. Sean Fantasy. Trust creative he knows. people. I'm, yeah, I'm not one of them though. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> so how do you get Jordan an Oscar now? What has to happen? Forget oh, out. Yeah, oh, like boy. oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is another one of my passion points. Horrors and comedy. Horror movies and comedies. Can you help me with this? How the fuck was there something about Mary not nominated for I an Oscar? Know. I don't know. Like, seriously, this is the best comedy of that whole decade. That's your pick? That's, no, a, that's a unique choice. But but if if you make <laughs> I think an, that's generational. If that's, you make an awesome- <laughs> I think that's generational. Awesome. Because I think it's- Revolutionary too. comedy. It should be in. That should be one of the five movies. Yeah. If you, like, Get Out should be- How well, many do you have? Eight to ten? Yeah, choices yeah well get out get out get out get out i mean i mean different from a comedy um no <laughs> it's, a, it's a, campaign, a it's a it's a thriller but, it, but it's also it's about race i mean it's very yeah, very right. timely and so i think the idea that you shouldn't get penalized because a lot of people have seen your movie and hopefully it'll be recognized but certainly i want it to be and certainly i'm trying to get it recognized for sure i think you're i think 10 years ago it probably gets snubbed and everybody gets mad but now the internet maybe people, i think a lot of these people read the pieces and it seems I like hope the, so. for the most part the right things seem my to gut tells the, me the, there's a screenplay nomination coming i hope so a, the the key is that you 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 just it's very hard so many people say i hate horror movies and i never watch them but i love get out but there are a lot of people in the academy who just say I hate horror movies and haven't seen it. The key is just getting those people to see it because it's really more of a thriller than a horror movie. And once they see it, they're totally into it. But there is a there is a line you've got to get people over of being open to seeing. It. That's why I always say it's more like a Hitchcock movie because that's something that people feel more Smart. easily to see. I think that's um, part, should be part of the campaign that it's a thriller, not a horror movie because yeah, it's not a horror movie. Well, I think horror movie. I think of like. You know, somebody with an axe killing yeah. a bunch of sorority sisters. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. It was well, you can't. It's hard to open a thriller, but I think now it's being talked about as a thriller for sure. Fatal Attraction's another one. We're working. We have we that have, could have been. We have uh, oh, not a remake of Fatal Attraction, but we. I love Fatal Attraction. We have about three different things we're developing that I'm trying to kind of touch that nerve again. They're not, you know, they're they're. Their tributes to Fatal Attraction that I'm working on. This is Wesley Morris and I. This is one of our favorite bits, the from hell genre. Right. What Fatal is- Attraction launched the from hell, <laughs> yes. the nanny from hell, the ex-wife from hell, yes. and just like everybody's from hell. Yeah. Pacific Heights, the tenant from hell. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it always totally, works. Totally. Now that there's been a rejuvenation of it, uh, the last cut, they made the Ali Larder, Idris Elba, the assistant from hell. And, yeah, right. Um, right, the, right. There's another one where somebody's the ex-husband from hell. And what is that I'm one? Always, what is that uh, one? That might also be Idris Abba. I like the surrogate from hell. You know, the woman surrogate who's carrying oh, the surrogate. surrogate. Yeah. Well, lifetime. we That's we've done we've done channel. that we've done a few of those actually. Hand that rocks the cradle to me is like the perfect type of this kind of movie. The um, nanny, they don't realize that her husband killed herself because of the mom who is the patient, and now she starts working for them, and she's secretly breastfeeding the baby. And totally, that reaction. Oh no! Uh. <laughs> oh, the baby won't eat with the real mom anymore. What's going on? The the dim-witted gardener knows something's wrong. He's the only one. It's like everything. It's got all the elements of 
Hey, I want to go through uh, quickly these movies. I'm ready. What, uh, what, what, what do you want me I'm to I'm just ha- going ha- after ha- Happy Death How Day. do you want me to comment exactly? It's true. No, it's I'm not just true. They try are to happening. Guess. Sweetheart? Is that Sweetheart a dead, is, that's in, uh, dead girlfriend that's, that's in, uh, that comes back to haunt the guy who moves mm, on with his life? No. No, okay. you're going to try and guess. <laughs> Wait, you're going well, to yeah, guess the title. I'm trying to guess from the I title. I love it. I love it. I love it. No, that's, that's not it? right. No, 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 no. Not even close on that, but- but I appreciate the the try. Stem, uh, stem cell scientist who starts experimenting at night and creates a serial killer. No, no. But Stem is awesome. Stem is Lee Wanell, who wrote all the Insidious movies and directed the, the so third what's Stem? one. Give us one sentence of Stem. Stem is a is an AI action movie. It's awesome. Okay, what's the one sentence for Sweetheart? Sweetheart is um, <laughs> not not pregnant, but but. You should b- believe the always believe the woman if she's seeing something evil. Oh, I like it. That's not the one liner. That's well, whatever. Okay. Ghoul. That that's. I mean, you could say that somebody moved into the wrong house. That movie is could be a cemetery in the backyard. We did that in. So I had this brilliant idea. I'm like, we're gonna make all our movies in India pirated. So I'm like, hey, let's make it. Let's if you can't beat him, join him. Let's make yeah. a movie in Hindi, and let's say from the makers of the gift and the visit and get out and this one and that one comes ghoul. Yeah. I don't know how to say that in Hindi, but it's in Hindi. And so we made. We, we've been working on this for three. We finally made one of these movies in India. It's actually quite a you know, it's an interesting movie, but but it's in it's in Hindi. It's only going to be seen in India, and it was a little bit of a, a folly because it's because. Because I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought I was going to make money off it, which I don't think we're going to do. We're not going to lose, but it was, a, it was kind of that's Jason's folly. But, but it's an interesting movie. If you get Bill a link, though, he and his son will watch. It. That's great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'll say. Wait, know. Will you watch Ghoul Before the Forest? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. It's a toss-up. Insidious: The Last Key. That's great. That's done. It comes out in January. That's our next movie after our Happy Death Day. You don't have to guess that. The Purge, The Island. It's just great. The Purge, I, The I'm Island. In. The per- that, that's the, on, that's what's on your that's, IMDb. That, that's fake news. Fake news. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Halloween's not fake news. Right. This next one, I'm all the way in. Truth or dare? I'm in. What a great title. Truth or dare? You don't even need to you give me the yeah, one truth sentence. Truth or dare? Yeah. Great yeah, idea. Yeah. Finished. Stockholm sounds like somebody in the basement who starts identifying with their captor. Someone in a bank robbery, but yes, it comes from Stockholm. Okay. Is about the 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 event that caused oh. the, the, the name Stockholm Center. It was in Stockholm and it was a bank robber who took, it's Ethan's in the movie. It was in a bank robber who took hostages and exactly what you said. That's a great idea. That's yeah, it's one. cool. Glass? That's M. Night's movie. Somebody in a bubble who can't get out of- No, it's the You sequel. can do better than that. It's the sequel to Split. You know, oh, Mr. Glass? Unbreakable. Oh, why didn't you call that Split too? No, Unbreakable. It's the sequel to Unbreakable. Oh, it's the sequel to Unbreakable. The one from it's 20 Sam years Jackson ago? Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis. Sam and- Jackson. How'd you get him? Yeah, Sam Jackson. <laughs> that's He missed my whole story. I went to Philadelphia two weeks ago. I was no, in the I reading. Didn't know. I heard Bruce that Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson, no. Sarah. I didn't know it was Paul called Sam- Glass. Yeah, it's called Glass. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Spawn. I'm going to do the story again. Spawn. Yes, haven't shot that yet. We're making that. That's you know, Spawn, the comic series. The comic adaptation. series. Yeah, Todd McFarlane, who's a great Wiley character. I love him. Spooky Jack could go in a hundred different. That directions. word, that's uh, anim- DreamWorks Animation. That's a kids, kids, kids fun movie, scary movie. That's an animated movie. I'm going to give you two that I think can come back. Two genres. Get, hit, hit me. You done with IMDb? Yeah, finished. That's okay. all you had. Really? Okay, um, good. Okay. If you have 500 other movies yeah, in development. I mean, uh, yeah, that, yeah. I don't know, he's reading the wrong list. <laughs> the the kid who might be evil. 
I'm obsessed with The Good Son. I think The Good Son was one of the great lost 90s movies. Macaulay Culkin. The kid who might be evil, but we've seen that a lot. I know, even but recently. we've seen it Not badly. What, you want a good executed, I, the kid who might be evil. The Good Son is a good movie. Right. See, she's nodding over there. Good Son's good. It's like, there's something wrong with this kid. The parents don't right. see it. Right, okay. But this other person, I let, I, I'm a huge fan of that. Okay, okay. I'm going I'm to work on that. Cujo. I think we're ready for Cujo again. You do? I'm not sure. Cujo? The the, <laughs> the rabid dog? I'm not sure. I the know what it is. Dog? I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. It's Cujo. I'm ready for another rabid dog movie. People love dogs. You can know. do this whole like meta thing about making fun of all the you have people. To, you have to, it has to be CG. You can't use real dogs anymore. It has to be CG. I hate is that true? CG. It's a great, actually a great response because it's King no, Mania, Mania you, now. You, so you, you think that there use, would be a Cujo movie. You can't movie, use but. real dogs anymore. You can't use real dogs in movies. Freaking Peter! Yeah, the too should have happened. Yeah, you can't do it. So they got to be CGI, and I I hate CGI. I do, especially for horror. Ah, disaster! What especially about- for anything? I gives it's just like it's like watching 3D. Can't stand 3D. I'm always taking off the glasses in a 3D movie so I could actually see what's happening because it's so dark. But 3D is over now. Thank God. Never made sense. Never made sense. No, I never understood the the revolution for it, and Such especially a, like the yeah. idea that I was supposed to put on 3D glasses in my house when then I couldn't. No, I'm talking about in the theater. No, I know, but yeah. just that and then the money, theater money, too. Money the whole grab, thing. Money grab. What 3D. Would it, what you, would it take they gave me a headache too. The me glasses. too. A lot oh, of I couldn't watch the movie. It was so dark. It's like, oh, Liam Neeson, where are you? I couldn't see. I, I literally would take them off in between the scene when it's not action. It looks yeah. like 2D without the glasses, and then when the action the comes, you throw them on. Yeah. I just never understood it. Me neither. They were like I, shoving it down our throats for I think four we're years. too old, maybe. I don't know. My kids didn't like it either. They didn't. I don't like them either. What, yeah. what would it take for you to make a $100 million movie? Could you ever see yourself doing it? You know, I think about that a lot. And I think I think I, I would be very, I, I, I think like what's the, I know the reason why you're such so so good at this is because you stop, you forget, you, stop, you, you answer the real answer, not the PR answer. That's what all your guests do. And that's what I'm going to do now. I always, my wrote line for that, I would never make a $100 million movie. But the but the but the true answer, I suppose, is there are circumstances I would do it. I guess I'd have to be with a filmmaker who I really felt connected to. I'd never do it with a filmmaker I hadn't worked with before, ever. Um, I have weird money issues. I mean, there's a reason, and I make cheap movies. There's more complicated. I have crazy money issues, and I really it. it bothers me to lose money even if it's for somebody else it doesn't it makes you have no competitive difference money issues competitive made. for sure but also i don't like losing money for anyone i don't like losing money if it's our money on the line or someone else's money on the line so i want to be really i don't want to go to bed at night biting my nails and so i'd have to be in with the director and we'd have to be really connected and have to have worked together before um has any filmmaker tried to get you to do it um never no, 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 no. That's a smart rich person thing because like I was talking once to somebody it was that it was like five years ago when the NBA hit that little when they they're about to have the lockout. Yeah, right. And teams were yeah, like right. it were like nineteen of us are losing money. And then you actually dig through the figures and it was like, Well, that team lost like seven hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. It's right. not like they're, right. they're you know, they own an asset hurting. that's appreciating. Yeah. And the person who was very smart explained to me is like that's not the point. It's not that they're that it's seven hundred twenty-five dollars. It's that it's a dollar. They don't like losing, losing money at they all. Like going Never in the red bothers them, right? 
it they does, look it, at it and they go, right. that's red, that's not black, it does, I can't handle that. It does bother me, but I don't think that's, um, I'm not proud of that. I think it's a good way to think, though. It's good for business. I'm just not proud of it. But what makes a $100 million movie? Because at this point, it's like either you're paying premium prices for stars or you're paying for special effects and for things to blow up like why would you have to make a hundred million dollar oh you have to make hundred star wars and pixar movies well, that's what and, I mean. and 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 marvel movies they have but you to don't want to do million. stuff like that well that was the question i don't want to do no, any of those no but a mat if there was an original movie that was with a filmmaker i i really trusted and had a great business relationship and had worked no, with I before heard, i heard and, that. and they had an original idea that that merited that number it takes place in space or whatever that I could potentially. I guess what say. I'm saying is, is there a hundred million dollar movie that isn't one of those special effects movies? Well, probably not. But you know, we talked about the Andrew Nichol idea, which is one of those things. It's like it's a creative idea that captures your imagination, and you just want to see it on screen. And, you know, great producers they get dreams and they want to. If put Andrew Nichol asked me to make City That Sales, I would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, not not that it's not that makes it sound like if he asked me, I could get it done. I couldn't. No one's going to finance the movie. It's not commercial. Right. But if in a dream world. If someone was, I would do that in a second. So but I like, guess the right answer is, if it was a story that I loved, of course I would love to produce a $100 million movie. That's the answer. Got it. You helped me get to that answer. So like You're like my therapist right now. Thank say, you. I'm doing my best. Thank you. Thank you. I could use one too. Thank like you. Die Hard, if they did it correctly, and the original Die Hard never happened, is a $100 million movie that's not like a special effects. Yes. You need to get like yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. You have to get some good- Side people, yeah. you'd have to get the skyscraper. Yeah, I love Die Hard, but, awesome I'm, but again, I'm not. No, doing, you wouldn't not do it now. Two years of my life, I'm not doing that. No, but yeah. I'm saying that's like a hundred million dollar type of movie that yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah, Star Wars Nine, the most expensive movie, uh, not we've ever done, but the most expensive movie we've done, we're doing now is a, is a total uh, art film. It's one of the films you missed on your list, but it's a movie called Stoner. It's a book that I've. Uh, that was not my list. My bad. It was just I am the internet. I, it was, it the was internet Am, failing Am, it was us yet again. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon letting us down. Um, I'm uh, interested in Stoner. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I optioned this book like, almost 10 years ago. It's the it's totally an impossible book to make turn into a movie. I actually did this a thing on the for the PGA Awards about three years ago, and Ryan Murphy was interviewing me and said, "Is there one passion project you?" have always tried to get made and never has. And I said stoner, it's in the video of it. And I've been working on it for eight, forever. And it finally came together. This, this incredible writer named Andrew Bavel adapted it in a way that everyone, including me, thought was impossible. Like I read it, I kept spending a little bit of money on it every year, but I didn't, I couldn't, I, I just loved the story. I didn't think the story, I was had a lot of doubts if the story could ever be a movie, but I loved the story. And this writer turned this book into a great screenplay and and Joe Wright is directing it and 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 Casey Affleck is starring in it and it's six times the budget of our commercial you know of our, our genre I, I I was making a a kind of joke to one of my partners that I I'm willing to spend money on pure I, I you know what I'm not going to say it but anyway it's very expensive and it's a total art house movie I'd like to apologize. I missed the whole section on your IMDb. Thank that you. was underneath. Well, I, I was sitting I missed, here. I was fidgeting and I went, fumbling. I went too I mean, high. Oh my God. <laughs> no. I mean, all, half of my children he killed over here. <laughs> no. I missed Unfriended Game Night, which I don't need to guess. That sounds fantastic. I'm in. Tremors. Remake of Tremors. Um, Unfriended Game Night. Great, you're in. Remake of Tremors is... Uh, 
is uh, a television series. Okay. Did you see the original movie? Do you remember? Okay. Okay. Can I just pitch you the first scene of our TV show? Yeah. You remember Kevin in the movie? He's 25 years old. He walks out and takes a leak. Do you remember that? He pisses. Original movie. It's still Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon now, our age. He goes out of the car. He steps up to the fence to take a leak. Exact same shot. No piss comes out. He can't pee because he's 50. I mean, come on. Don't you love that? <laughs> he's not sold. Did we get him? He's not sold. Yeah, Kevin's okay, in the good. show. Yeah. Okay, good. Stoner, we talked about Seven in Heaven. Is that a horror movie? What are you talking? Are you kidding me? Truth or Dare. The, the sequel to Truth or Dare, Seven in Heaven. I got a whole... Where do you mind? for Truth or Dare. Of course. That's fantastic. Yeah, of course. I love that. It's a whole universe. <laughs> only Teenage you? game universe. Is only you the fatal attraction? <laughs> Only you, no, no, okay. oh, no, 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 not the Fatal Attraction, no. But we just finished that one, yeah. What's that one? You don't want to tell me. That. Uh, that's the yeah, we okay. yeah, that's Top Secret. Five Nights at Freddy's. You know what that is, movie. right? Kruger. No, but you know what? Oh, see, wrong generation. Five Nights at Freddy's, massive, uh, massive um, kids game. And it, it's one of our biggest movies. It's a guy uh, named Scott Cawthorn. He lives in Texas and he came up with five. There's a Five Nights at one. There's an aisle at Walmart that is Five Nights at Freddy's merchandise. It's how did my son miss this? I don't know. He, he has to know what home. it is. He has to That's know what terrible. it is. You're too to busy showing him Halloween yeah, over so and over t- again. T- t- adult movies. <laughs> yeah. Devil's Night. I mean, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> Black Klansman. What's that one? Black Klansman, Spike Lee. We're producing it with Jordan Peele. And we start shooting uh, in like three weeks. Very exciting. The Bev Kearney story. That I've had on that IMDb for 12 years. Okay. We're not making that. Okay, that good. is not happening. But right, it's a great I think story. that's it. The Keeping Hours? That's finished. Yeah, that's a finished movie. What list is this you're looking at? This is, yeah, IMDb so is random. all over the place. I mean, this is so random. Amityville, The Awakening. There I mean, it is. It's so random. Where, 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 where's, where's Roger Ailes? Where's, I mean, where's. I don't see that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. very strange. Uh, all right, Sean, we kept this man enough. This is incredible. Jason, congratulations on making every great movie that Bill loves. <laughs> I just want to, I want to get invited to one Halloween, Halloween. How about our Halloween party? You know, we don't, we don't have something. a, we don't have a, oh, you're the movie. How about our Halloween party? We don't have a Christmas party at Blumhouse. We have a Halloween party. You have a Halloween party? Super fun. I want to be invited right, to we'll the invite Halloween all party. you guys. I our expect to see all you guys. That'd be great. We yeah. would love that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. This is right. great. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks Thank guys. You. All right, thanks to Gillette. Did you know a Gillette razor blade edge is thinner than a single brain cell? It's a product of many brain cells at work. From the thousands of men and women at Gillette, they're always working harder to make your shave better. And now you can get Gillette blades for less at GilletteOnDemand.com. Gillette, the best a man can get. Pricing applies to select products. And it's at the sole discretion of the retailer. Don't forget about Let's Play 2, the new documentary film about Pearl Jam's incredible performances at Wrigley during the historic 2016 Cubs run. Don't forget about SeatGeek, promo code BSNFL, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase for NFL tickets. Don't forget about White Famous. Uh, I'm assuming you have a sense of humor if you listen to this podcast. I'm going to recommend the pilot of of, uh, White Famous. That's a good one. And that's it. We might have two more podcasts this week. We have at least one. Who knows? A lot of guests. Tommy Arthur, uh, head of our talent department at The Ringer, has been booking awesome guests like crazy. We have some really good ones coming up. Until then. <laughs>